Welcome to the Strong Mamas Podcast, where we're talking about our fitness and food choices as moms in real life and in light of our faith as Christ followers. I'm your host, Megan Dahlman, and together we'll be exploring what it means to be a healthy, strong mama in the middle of a culture that's obsessed with vanity. This podcast is all about helping and equipping you to take better care of yourself and the ones you love. Hey friend, welcome back to the Strong Mamas podcast. I'm back this week with my co-host and husband extraordinaire, Scott. Hey everybody. You're back with us this week. You missed our awesome conversation last week. It was, did you go back and listen? No. What? (laughs) You should. It was so good. Oh, it was so good. We're continuing our series on consistency and stepping into the nitty-gritty of why being consistent is so darn hard. And last week, what you missed, Scott, was that we talked all about setting doable goals and setting realistic expectations, which honestly, it's kind of funny now that I think of it, that you did skip last week because you've told me multiple times that you're just not a goal-setting kind of person. (laughs) No, not at all. You struggle with goal-setting. And I do think there's some irony the fact that I missed listening to the consistency podcast. Oh, you were really inconsistent with your listening. <laughs> yeah, friend, listen. If you've been listening to the consistent po- consistency episodes and you've been consistently listening to them, that's proof right there that you are capable of doing something consistently. <laughs> so hopefully you caught last week's discussion all about goal setting and creating realistic expectations. The week before that, we kicked off the series and talked all about why having effective accountability is so critical for being consistent. Now, this week we're looking at another angle that affects our consistency. So we're going to talk more about how to prevent burnout, which I know is a really, really good topic. And the, and the way that we do that is with something I like to call strategic pressure release valves. So we're going to dive really deep into that today. But before we get there, I just want to check in with you to make sure that you're feeling taken care of with your workouts that you have going on at home right now. If you already have a really good, well-designed workout plan in place that you're progressing with, that you're feeling stronger and more fit with, that's awesome. I'm so glad. But I know that that might not be you. You might actually be floundering a little or maybe a lot and don't really know how to get started with a home program. And if that's you, I really want you to check out my Couch to Strong Mamas program. In just two months, you're gonna be feeling stronger and way more confident in what your body is able to do without the hassle of needing to go to a gym or having to buy a bunch of workout equipment, which I know is still like flying off the shelves right now. Nobody can get like workout equipment at the moment. It's kind of crazy. So if all you have is a pair of dumbbells and that's it, you can do the entire Couch to Strong Mamas program with that. So someone who's doing this program right now just told me the other day on a coaching call together, she said, since doing your Couch to Strong Mamas program, I've never felt better in my life. (laughs) It was a pretty big statement, and she's not even done with the full eight weeks yet. The program is all laid out for you in an easy-to-follow format with great videos that completely remove the guesswork, 
And I just love for you to get started with the Couch to Strong Mamas program today and experience all that for yourself. For just a one-time purchase of just $67, it's such a no-brainer, you guys. So you can head to the show details right now for more information, or you can also go to strong-mamas.com backslash couch to strong mama, all one word. And remember, mama is always spelled M-O-M-M-A. And seriously, I'd also be more than happy to answer any questions that you might have about the program too. Okay, so let's dive deeper into this discussion about consistency. And I know that we are harping on this a lot because I know you struggle with consistency. And frequently, you know you know what you need to do. You know how you should be eating. You know that you need to be doing your workouts more consistently. But it's hard. And it's hard because there's so many factors that play a role in why you have a hard time being consistent. So we already tackled the accountability issue and why having good accountability in your life on multiple levels is so helpful and will help you stay more consistent. And if you recall on that episode, we really talked about how accountability starts with you. And it starts with recognizing that ultimately you are responsible for following through. You can't be the victim and put all of the responsibility on everyone else to make sure that you show up. That was really helpful to get a better grasp on what effective accountability actually is. And then going through the goal setting and teaching you guys how to actually create goals that make sense, that are clear, but then also going back and re reformatting your goals so that they are actually realistic and that you're not shooting for the stars (laughs) like people ask you to do all the time you know shoot for the stars well if you do that you might you probably won't get to the stars so if my goal is to bench press 400 pounds i might have a tough time well if your goal is to bench press 400 pounds this year that's probably not a good goal it's probably not realistic And along the way of you trying to achieve that goal, you're going to probably burn out or you're going to feel like, oh, this is impossible and I'm a failure and I set too high. I set my bar too high. So I know it sounds funny, but probably the one of the most helpful things for achieving your goals is lowering your bar. Setting achievable goals. It's easier to achieve achievable goals. Yes. Thank you for saying it in a way that makes me feel a little dumber. No, (laughs) no, but lowering your bar. We set such high bars Mm -hmm. all the time for ourselves. Yeah, because that sounds impressive, but in reality, we can't live up to that. It kind of leads into what we're talking about today with burning out and how we need to create really good and strategic pressure release valves for ourselves. And I'll explain what that is. And by doing that, it's going to help us become far more consistent. So one of the most common reasons why we can't get consistent is because we're trying to do it perfectly. We're, We're trying to shoot for the stars. We're trying to have such high bars and I mean we're trying to have perfect eating days we're trying to work out every single day and never miss a single workout but the pressure that builds and honestly our own just rebellious spirits about it 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 all starts to build and build and build and pretty soon we just can't do it anymore 
And I mean, what do we do in that situation where we're trying to do it all perfectly? We like throw up our hands and be like, forget it. I can't do this. Yeah. It's not like you just dial it back a little bit. You're like, oh, I need to adjust. It's like, no, skip this. I'm done. I'm tired of it. Yeah. We're so exhausted from trying to hold it all together and do it all like really, really, really well and go 100% all the time. And we just realized one day I I can't do this anymore. It's just way too hard. I know that we have a ton of great examples out there of scenarios where we don't have pressure release valves in place. So really what the pressure release valve is, you guys, is having a mechanism that removes the pressure in a controlled manner so that you can keep going steadily forward. Yeah, what it always makes me think of is a hot water heater where it has on the side of it the valve that if it gets too hot before your entire hot water tank turns into a bomb, right? it will reach that temperature and it will open and allow the heat and the water to come out. On a side note, I always thought it was pressure relief valve, not release valve, but I'm pretty sure you're right on this and I feel like I've been wrong my entire life and didn't realize it. Have you been inserting the wrong consonant? Yes. (laughs) But I think relief might make sense too because like whether you're getting release from the pressure or relief from the pressure, the idea is the same, is that you're, you're having a moment or a mechanism in place that prevents that pressure from building so hard that you basically just blow up or implode too is usually what we do. Yeah. <laughs> we blow up in our own ways. I feel like one really great example of not having good pressure release valves in place is just the simple weekend wagon fall off. We all know what this feels like. We're super familiar with it. And I've seen the memes and these are super funny. I'll make sure to post this in the Strong Mama's Squad Facebook group. But you know the memes where it's like Monday, you're eating perfectly. Tuesday, you're eating perfectly like according to your meal plan. By Wednesday, half the day looks good. By Thursday, you're like, I can't hold it together anymore. And by Sunday, you're basically eating ice cream for the entire day. (laughs) It's like the perfect example of not having good release systems in place. And while you're eating the ice cream, you're thinking about how tomorrow you're going to start the diet. Yeah, I'm going to start over on Monday. Yeah. This week's already gone. It's shot. So I'm going to... Usually we have that feeling of this week's shot on like Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's just because we have two little minions living at yeah. home with us. Usually by Monday afternoon, I, I tend to feel like the week is shot. <laughs> but but I think what's kind of key here is you talk about the pressure release valve. I'll say it right. I'll get it right. Get it right. Um, and in a way, this is a pressure release valve, but yeah. it's doing it in the wrong way. Yeah. It's not strategic. It's kind of... Because it's, it's not yeah. just letting the steam out a little bit. It's literally opening the hole. It's like cutting the side, a hole in the side of the hot water tank to get the pressure out. And then it's completely damaged. You know, there's almost no recovering it until you start over and patch it back together. And I think that's how our weeks often feel is like Monday and Tuesday, sometimes Wednesday, we feel put together and then it blows up the rest of the week. Now, if we were to have something more strategically planned to release that pressure in smaller amounts over the course of the week strategically, that probably wouldn't happen. We probably wouldn't get to the weekend and have such a massive 
fail, you know? I think other scenarios where there are not very good pressure release valves put in place are extreme diets. And this could be something like keto or another diet that completely cuts out one major macronutrient or something like the Whole30 where you literally have got to eat exactly according to plan for 30 days or you mess it up. Or even there's, you know, the prepackaged or the meal shake type diets where you are basically all in. And they say like you got to go 100% for it to work. You have to perfectly comply or it's not going to get you the results that you want. Usually by the time that you reach the end of this, this type of diet, like, yeah, maybe you've seen some results. Even if you can last to the end of the diet, even if you can last the 31 days or the 21 days of that 21 day fix or whatever it was, you're so exhausted from it and you need a complete break from thinking about food altogether. Yeah. What I would love to see is what people eat on day 31. Like (laughs) anybody who has made it through the whole 30 diet, what they do on day 31. Because I know for me, if I had held myself to that standard to try to do something for 30 days, the day after I am going to pig out. Yeah. And you're thinking about that the whole time, you know, especially those last 10 days, you're like, I just got to make it to day 31. I just got to make it to day 31 or whatever that time frame might be. And it's just like, once again, it's kind of like the weekend. It just kind of all explodes. And we see over and over again with these types of extreme diet protocols that people who follow these, they typically gain back all the weight that they lost during that program and usually more after they finish the diet. Because during that diet, that pressure just builds up so much. And they're like, I got to I, I gotta just eat everything I couldn't eat while I was on the plan. And it's almost that panic scavenging mode, you know? And then I think we see almost similar behavior with super extreme workout programs. Like the type of programs that are like, we're going to go hard or go home. You know, <laughs> hit it extremely hard. Day one, let's see what you've got. And these are things like obsession or insanity or, you know, and it's funny that they have those names. I was going to say, think about the names. It tells you what you're getting into. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these are asking you to go all in and work out five or six days a week indefinitely or for a long period of time in order for you to see results. Or it could be something, I see a lot with moms too, something less organized, something more self-imposed. They're like, I'm going to run three miles every single day. Or I'm going to like go for a three mile walk every day, or I'm going to spend 30 minutes on my elliptical every single day. Or I'm going to do that like 30 day planking challenge or the push up challenge. You know, something that it doesn't sound extreme because it's like, well, it's not P90X, but it's still kind of extreme. You're going like all in. Usually with these types of workout programs, we have some major motivation in the beginning. I mean, there's a reason why we start them in the beginning. We feel that burst of motivation, like I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm ready to change this. But halfway through, we get that feeling of like, well, screw this. This is too hard. I, I can't hack it. Like, it's just way too hard. I came out of the gate sprinting way too fast. Well, yeah. And you feel good that first week because usually when you're trying one of these, you probably haven't been doing a lot anyway. Yeah. Not a lot of activity. And so you do that first week and you feel great about that activity. Then you get to that second week. Now your body's sore and 6 a.m. might have worked for five days, but now it's Monday again and you're hit with 6 a.m. and you're sore 
I think it's tough to keep that going. It's tough. And I think on top of that, too, not only do people experience soreness, but man, how often do people get injured with programs like that where their body is saying, you might be motivated, but I can't do this. Like you have got to pull back and pull this pressure off. This is way too much for my body right now. I'm, I'm in no condition to handle what you're putting me through. So what are the consequences then? I mean, those are some great scenarios, great examples. But what are the consequences of not having some built-in and strategic ways to release the pressure? I feel like the first thing that we see with all of these systems is that it's really fostering that perfectionist mentality. This expectation on ourselves that if we're going to do it, it's got to be done perfectly. One thing I heard not long ago that really stuck hard with me is that perfectionism, it only ever has two outcomes. It either will lead to failure or pride because you're either going to be able to do it perfectly and now you have this major piece of arrogance about you that, look, I'm a perfect worker outer. (laughs) I'm a a perfect eater. Look, look at how perfectly I do all of this or inevitably you're going to fail. There's, there's kind of no in between. Yeah. And what I run into with that is I'll find my own mentality sometimes if I've made it to Thursday or Friday and haven't done a workout yet that week. Mm-hmm. It's easy for me to say, well, I'll just do it next week because I'm not going to get my three in this week. Yeah. Or it's already not perfect. Exactly. So it's already messed up. Or, and that's when we were talking about the food and the, the weekend fall off, that's usually how it is. You're like, yeah. oh, I'll just do pizza on Friday night and then I'll get back together on Saturday and then you wake up Saturday and you're like well I already had pizza last night might as well have pancakes this morning or a donut or whatever it happens to be but then you get in the idea of well it's not perfect at all so we'll start again on Monday when I can be perfect again for now I'm gonna binge yeah but I think if we come into it with the knowledge like okay I am not perfect and I never will be. You know, Romans 3.10 tells us that none is righteous or basically perfect. Not even a single person is perfect. Even people who appear as if they're doing their workouts perfectly or their eating habits perfectly, they're missing something. It is not perfect. And then even Romans 3.23 tells us that all of us have have sinned and all of us fall short of the glory of God. So even if we try... We're still falling short of what is considered actual perfection or a true completion. So if perfection is our goal, we're only fooling ourselves. So one of the consequences, once again, of not having a system of pressure release valves is that perfectionist mentality, which is so damaging. I think another consequence is that we develop a bad relationship with food and exercise. And I see that so, so often, especially among moms where we start to see food and exercise as something to sim- to simply manipulate to make our bodies a certain way. And it, and it stops becoming something that is good and valuable in and of itself, even if our bodies don't really physically change. And when we constantly are developing that poor relationship with food and with exercise, what ends up happening is that food becomes our enemy and exercise becomes our weapon. I'll say that again because I think that that might hit home with a lot of us. Food becomes our enemy and exercise is our weapon against that enemy. We're constantly in this pressure cooker battle scene against food and with exercise and it's just this mess 
all because we didn't give ourselves these outlets or ways to just let go and release the pressure. And then kind of on a more practical level, some of the consequences of trying to do it perfectly and trying to just go all in all the time is that one thing that happens is our metabolism. It it can really get messed up from this because it's this yo-yoing environment where our body is so extreme on one hand and then swings way to the other extreme on the other hand. And one thing that doesn't happen for your metabolism is that it never gets the chance to become more elastic and balanced. Our metabolism is supposed to be adaptive and fairly balanced. You should be able to handle one or two splurges here and there just fine. That should not throw you off. But when all you're doing is this all or nothing type of eating behavior, your metabolism gets so messed up and ridiculously sensitive where it can't handle pancakes for breakfast anymore. Like that one meal can send you into a a tailspin for a week. And these all or nothing behaviors can really wreck your metabolism. And then of course, on the fitness front, if you don't have ways of building in these pressure release valves with your workouts, it's going to lead to injury. It's going to lead to overtraining syndrome and it's going to lead to burnout where you just don't want to work out anymore. You're just sick of it. Yeah, it's been pretty fascinating to me as we're starting to see sports start back up. Not, I can't say post-COVID, but during the COVID situation sure. after the shutdown for a yeah. while is that I never realized how much rest was crucial for these athletes. Yeah. I mean, you're talking young, very, very fit people, but they're compressing the schedules on all these sports. And I'm just seeing tons of injuries as right. a sports fan to these otherwise healthy people because they're not getting the proper rest. Our bodies just can't handle as much as we expect from them so much. So we really have to strategically build in these pressure release or relief, (laughs) depending on if you're Scott or Megan, these valves so that we can avoid all of those negative consequences and get more consistent with our habits. Because remember, that's the outcome we want. We want consistency so that we can experience a body that feels really good. So what are these pressure release valves? How do we build these in strategically? These are the things that are going to periodically lift that pressure and lift the burden and make it so that you're not so ridiculously stressed out about it all the time. (laughs) So two main categories with our food and then with our workouts, okay? So the big first pressure release valve with your eating is that you have to splurge. Yes, I'm requiring you to splurge. This is non-negotiable. You have to splurge. I like this podcast already. (laughs) It does not impress me if you eat perfectly. It impresses me more if you know how to fully enjoy something that's not so healthy, if you can let go while still being in control. And I can say anybody that's sitting out there that thinks Megan doesn't embrace this. What are you going to (laughs) say? I can assure you that she knows how to embrace the splurge. I can embrace the splurge. A lot of people do not know. It's it's this really weird balance. And, and the moment they have a splurge, they just like panic in their mind. And it, it's like, I don't, shouldn't I be trying to eat perfectly? And it's this 
really interesting inward battle that goes on. And that's what I want to really help you guys overcome. Splurging takes practice, okay? If you never practice how to splurge properly, you're never going to learn how to handle yourself well in these situations. When I was growing up, I went to school with this family and all through elementary school and junior high, their parents refused to let them eat anything that had sugar in it. So nothing sweet at all. Nothing sweet at all. No sweets, no treats. Like even cookies were made with like applesauce. So can you guess what happened when they got to high school and their parents said that it was okay for them to eat sugar now? I can only imagine how much candy and treats were consumed by those kids every day. Every single day. The oldest one, you never saw him without like a two liter bottle of soda, like just straight up Pepsi and more, you know, just candy constantly because they had no idea how to handle it in a controlled situation and have self-control when they were around it and in that environment. And you have to learn. It takes practice. It takes time. And so if you're constantly saying, I'm not going to touch anything, I'm not going to, I'm going to try to eat perfectly. You have no idea. You're going to go bonkers when you're in that environment. It's going to go bad. It'll backfire. So you can start to think about your splurges as a different kind of training ground. You're training your heart to be okay with it. You're training yourself to stay in control and not to succumb to gluttony and and also to refuse to let that shame and guilt creep in when you're having a splurge. And I need you to stop thinking that you're going to make better progress if you never splurge. Progress can still be had even when you splurge because there's that kind of in the back of our minds like maybe if I don't have this splurge, I'm going to reach my goals faster. But like I said, it backfires and that's what prevents you from actually reaching your goals is that you never release that pressure and it just keeps building and building and building. So I need you to mentally take breaks from being fully focused and like all in on super healthy eating. You need to have a meal where you literally are not thinking about the nutrients or the ingredients or the macronutrients or anything of it. The worst thing is if you're having a strategic splurge, but you're mentally counting up the calories in your mind. You gotta stop doing this. It's defeating the whole purpose of a splurge. The purpose of that splurge is for you to take a break. Yeah, and I think we've heard from some of our listeners how easy it is to start counting those splurges in different ways. You know, what if I have two pieces of pizza, is that two splurges? Or if I have two glasses of wine on a Friday night, is that one splurge or is that two splurges? And I think the problem is it's much less about how much you're consuming and much more about the mentality around it because at that point they're still treating that splurge is something that they're counting exactly instead of having it be their time to step away from it relax and just enjoy absolutely absolutely that is what this splurge is all about is to give you a chance to stop thinking about food just for the moment and to really enjoy what you're eating so what is the right way to splurge? Because we could do it wrong too. I need you guys to know what the right way to splurge is because it's, I need you to splurge, but I need you to do it properly. So if you have goals to change your body composition and lose some body fat, plan to splurge with about 10% of your meals. So that means you're actually about 90% on point with your meals. So in an average week, if you're eating, you know, four meals a day, seven days a week, that's how many meals, Scott, total over the course of the week? Not 28. 
28. So 10% of those meals is going to be about three meals over the course of the week. So if you purposefully and strategically position those splurges at kind of your weakest points of the week, it's going to help you stay more on track with the other 90%. And then if your goal is to simply maintain your body composition and just be, just still be at your healthiest self, you can plan on splurging at about 20% of your meals, which is about one a day. So 80% compliant with good eating habits. I really suggest that you plan out your splurges ahead of time. Don't try to just wing it and have like a tally in your head of like, oh, here's my second one and then here's my third. I mean, you can do it that way, but usually the best way to go about it is to look at the week at a glance and just be like, when are the opportunities that I either am going to really need to release pressure or I, I wanna just really enjoy food. A lot of people save their splurges for the weekend, but that backfires because they never make it there. <laughs> Yeah, by the time you get there, the splurges are gone. Yes. So I highly recommend building a splurge, a planned splurge in midweek, maybe Wednesday night dinner or Tuesday night dinner. You know, just this opportunity midweek to just like just kind of take a break and have a planned enjoyable splurge. Well, I'll tell you, Thursday is one I always look at Thursday evening because you're most of the way through the week. You're kind of excited for Friday. You know, you get home on Friday and you're excited Mm -hmm. for the weekend. You've already got something going on. But Thursday, I feel like I'm worn out from the week that just happened. Tired of cooking. Yeah. And I just want to go go out out somewhere or have something that's easy that I'm not thinking about everything that's going to be in that meal. Exactly. So no matter what you do, definitely plan them out ahead of time. And then I need you to stay mindful while you are splurging. I want you, yes to let go and just enjoy, but make sure it really is something that you really, really enjoy. Don't just be mindlessly eating something that you don't care about, or after the fact, you're like, ugh, I'm, I regret eating that because I don't feel very good. Enjoy the food, but don't check out. Stay present with what it is that you're eating and how it's making you feel. And the skill that's the most helpful thing in a splurging situation is paying attention to your fullness cues. So if you can eat that splurge slowly and pay attention to when you're starting to feel full right around that 80% mark, that's the point that you need to stop. Because often we do check out and just kind of overeat accidentally, and that's not good either. So with all this strategic splurging, you're going to have something that you can look forward to throughout the week, right? Because you'll be like, oh, it's Tuesday night. Like, I really, really want to go out tonight. And you're like, well, no, we have a planned night out tomorrow night, I can make something healthy tonight because I know that a a good splurge is coming. And then you're going to have a few moments to just eat whatever you want and have the pressure lift. And then after those moments, you'll feel re-motivated to focus and resume your healthy eating habits at the very next meal. That happens to me constantly. You know, you have pancakes for breakfast on Saturday morning, and usually by lunchtime, I'm like, all right, I need that salad. I really want the salad. salad. <laughs> or even like pizza for dinner. You're like, at the very next meal, I really want something healthy because it, it does re-motivate you. We need to say a quick note about the whole Pandora's box situation where sometimes you might eat a splurge where if you open that box, like all hell breaks loose and you feel like you're not in a position yet that you have good control over that. 
for you, that might be chips. It might be a certain type of candy. You know, like if the bag gets opened, you can't control yourself and it's a mess. If that's you, identify what that thing is and just humbly recognize that you're not in a place quite yet to deal with that food item with wisdom and maturity. You're going to get there because you're working on splurging well, but try to avoid that food altogether for now. Those types of foods should not really be your pressure release valve because you've proven that you don't have good control over that yet. Once you've got some skill with other splurge type foods, you can circle back around to it and give it a try again. I had this conversation with someone recently and they're like, if or it's Oreos, if, <laughs> if a package of Oreos opens up, I'm a goner. I can't, I can't even do that. And we all have that kind of food for us. And so it just might be helpful to recognize, like I can splurge on, you know, any other thing that I want, but it, it can't be that one <laughs> because I know my own limitations. Or if you really, really love that, right. find a way to get a smaller portion size. Sure. If that's available, a way that there's its own limiting factor. Because when yeah. you're talking about that, this, the one thing I was thinking of for me, for chips, I'll have a couple. I'm fine. Cookies aren't that bad either. But I love peanut M&Ms. Oh. And if you give me a king size bag of peanut M&Ms, I'll eat a king size bag of peanut M&Ms. But if, you have a fun if size I have bag. a fun size... I'll eat that and be done as well. Yeah, and you'll be so satisfied. Yeah. There's a way to control the portions. Exactly. Yeah. The big takeaway here is you have to splurge. This is non-negotiable and there's so many more bigger reasons why splurging is so important and it is the most important pressure release valve, okay? Now, when it comes to your training, you have to take off days. Sometimes even off weeks with your training. Once again, I'm going to say that it just, it does not impress me if you work out every single day without fail. If you get in a workout every day of your vacation, like that doesn't, that doesn't impress me. (laughs) If you refuse to take off days, like, okay, great. It's actually showing me that you don't know how to let go and be okay with not working out. What really does impress me is if you understand the value and importance of being able to let go and not work out without it turning into a long string of days with no workout. So that's what does impress me. That's where the value is at, is seeing that nothing is going to be completely messed up if you work, if, if you miss a few workouts. People often ask me, how do you work out when you go on vacation? And they're usually surprised when I say the answer is, I don't work out on vacation. But honestly, it really does depend on the scenario, you know, because there's some places we go where I'm like, I'd rather stay on top of my workouts while I'm here. I just know that I'll feel better and the the circumstances allow for it more easily. But there's other situations, like sometimes when we're camping, like it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I can't think of anywhere where you keep up your same level of workout, though. There are places that you will work out, but not with the same schedule you have at home necessarily. Sure. I might drop like my light intensity workouts and not do those ones and just kind of do the the weightlifting or the the strength training workouts. We'll get into how to balance that in a minute. But yeah, it's pretty rare that even on vacation or even in a situation where I have access to all of the equipment that I don't pull back a little bit and take a bit of a break. But I do think it's important to note that even on those vacations where you don't quote unquote work out, we're usually pretty active. 
Yes. You're walking the dogs. Where this last week we were camping, we went out kayaking. Mm-hmm. Um, always staying busy. Yeah. And staying active, not just doing nothing. Well, and usually going into trips, I try to determine ahead of time, what is this vacation going to look like? Is this an active vacation where I'm going to have an opportunity to be just in movement the whole time, like not sedentary, we're just going to keep moving? If that's the case, I probably won't insert a planned workout while we're gone, and I'll just pick up where we left off when we get back. But sometimes the situation is, uh, this is a pretty sedentary environment. I might make sure that I get a workout in while we're there. And honestly, this is simply good workout program design to not go 100% every single day, all the time, no matter what, no missed days ever. I mean, no good trainer in their right mind would ever design a plan that has you show up at 100% intensity day after day after day. And if your trainer is making you do this, you have to fire them, (laughs) point blank. I will be completely honest because you're going to get ruined. And if you're doing this to yourself, you, fire need, yourself. Fi- no, you need to hire a good trainer. <laughs> a good workout program has high intensity workouts strategically buffered with light days and then buffered even more with days of complete passive rest. When you arrive at your hardest workouts, well-rested and recovered, you're going to produce far more effort and intensity which helps you get more out of that workout. If you're arriving at those workouts like worn out, it's not gonna feel like a very effective workout. You're gonna get there and your motivation is gonna be in the tank. You're not gonna have any energy to do do it and you're gonna walk away feeling like a failure. But if you have the balance of hard and light days, every workout that you show up to, you're going to feel your best. The benefit of training like this, of having light days and having off days, is that it really does prevent injury. Because it's providing that ample enough time to recover your muscles and to regenerate your muscles, that's what they need. It's exactly what you were talking about with the professional athletes. And also making sure that you have these off days in there, it prevents burnout. You're not gonna dread showing up to your workouts. Well, I don't know if we can guarantee that. Oh, Scott. (laughs) But I mean, I've talked with countless moms that tell me stories about how they did a program that had them training almost every single day and they just got sick of it. They got tired of having to show up day after day after day. So what is the right way to take time off and reduce the workout pressure? How do we create these pressure release valves with your workouts? So the first thing is that you need to have one day every single week of complete rest. No workout, no real activity, like just real good rest. So minimum one day a week, okay? From there, I want you to choose two or three days per week that will be your hardest, higher effort workouts, two or three. And this is how I design the workouts in the Strong Mamas coaching program. This is how the workouts are designed for the Couch to Strong Mamas program. These workouts have your workout A, Workout B, those are your two hardest top priority workouts. There's even the optional workout C, which is body weight only. And it allows you to build in these three toughest workouts, but they're not all high intensity. And then after you've figured out your two or three days of your highest intensity workouts, go back and and backfill in the other days with moderate to low intensity training, if you do 
want to train more. So these could be off days that involve a lot of purposeful activity, like walking. Like, let's say you only want to work out two or three days a week. That's fine. Yes. But on those off days, we can't be completely sedentary. We need to stay in movement. We need to make sure that you're still having some sort of activity. Or if you would like to train more like five or six days a week, that's okay too. These other days need to be just planned light activity, like maybe some steady state cardio or yoga. And finally, this might come as a shocker to some people. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. <laughs> I need you to plan on taking one full week off from regular workouts, a minimum of twice a year, if not once every quarter. It's pretty rare that a, a trainer is gonna say that, I know, but that's really gonna prevent burnout. I do that for myself, usually at Christmas time, usually there's a week in the summer that I don't work out at all. After that week, I am so remotivated and ready to get back into it. It doesn't lead to another week and another week and another, like it just takes the pressure off. You get to have a little bit of a break. You're still moving, you're still active during that time, but you get to take a break from planned, hard, high intensity workouts. So with all of this strategic, training design, you'll have more motivation and energy for those hardest workouts. You're going to be far less likely to dread a workout because they're not all miserably hard. You've got hard days, you've got light days, and then you're going to find that you enjoy the training process so much more. That is incredibly important for releasing the pressure. Now, finally, it kind of occurred to me while thinking through the value and the importance of creating systems that relieve the pressure, that help prevent burnout in our lives, it's exactly how God designed us anyway, right? God instituted the Sabbath for us. <laughs> this is the ultimate pressure release valve. As human beings, we need rest. We need Sabbath and we need these breaks, these releases from a regular rigorous activity and it truly is a break that's the important part of the sabbath is it's really that break to spend time with god but mm -hmm. he designed us in that way yeah and so we need to experience that in all areas of our life that true break from things to reset yeah exodus 28 through 11 it says remember the sabbath day to keep it holy like keep it set apart Guard it. <laughs> Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, it's a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You heard me say that there was one day a week that you should not work out. Like you need a full day off from working out. That's always Sunday for me. And I know that there are other ways that I can improve with my Sabbath behaviors. <laughs> Trying to not work on Sunday too, but that's a great day to really make sure that you're not actually working out. In Mark 2, verse 27, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. It, it had nothing to do about like checking a box or like making sure we showed up and did all the right things. It's because we needed it. We physically, spiritually, mentally needed a break. Just that release off of our daily grind. So God knows that we simply cannot function at 100% effort 100% of the time. We physically and mentally need those breaks. This does not mean that we're going to achieve less, okay? It doesn't mean 
that our work ethic is not good if we're not going hard all the time. It doesn't mean that we're not good enough. What it does mean is that we can recognize our own limitations. We recognize that I I can't do this perfectly anyway, so why try? (laughs) Why try to do this perfectly? Instead, I'm going to allow for those strategic breaks and those strategic moments that unburden me and lift the pressure off and do those in a controlled manner that I know that I'm not out of control with it and that it's not going to snowball into something bigger and badder. It's it's good. It's good for my body and it's good for my soul. And when we do that, we're going to have the capacity to stick with it for the long haul because that's what we're coming back around to. This is the full circle moment of we're trying to gain consistency here. And this is so, so important for being able to be more consistent with our self-care habits. And that really is my heart's desire for you. I want you to be steadier. I want you to be more consistent with your healthy habits. I want you to be able to do this for the long haul and to not burn out next week. I want you to stop experiencing the try too hard, fail, try too hard, fail, that whole pattern that we're all too familiar with. We have to change. So let's work on achieving more balance with all of our efforts, making sure that our highs are not too extremely high. And then by doing that, we can make sure that our lows are not so extremely low. And by building in these pressure release systems, you're gonna know that you're still progressing in the right direction, but without the risk of burning out. All right, you guys, that is all that we have time for this week. I'm so glad you joined us and on another episode of the Strong Mamas podcast. Hopefully you're just gathering more and more tools that will help you become more consistent with your own self-care. Make sure to come back next week as we're looking at something that's kind of unique. We're looking at the fear of failure, but also the fear of success and why both of these aspects might be preventing you from gaining traction and being consistent the way that you want to be. So definitely come back next week for that episode. You're not going to want to miss it. If you have a moment, I would love if you could take a second to leave a review, head on over to iTunes. You got to scroll all the way to the bottom to see the spot where you leave a review and rate the show. Guys, we're close to 200. I want to see if we can get those numbers up to 200. The reason is, and it's not, I'm not just saying this, it really, really helps the show be more visible to other listeners that need it just like you do too. So make sure you take a moment to go rate the show and leave a review. And until next week, we'll talk to you later.